When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio. This is episode number 63. Getting near the end of the season now. We're getting into the month of August. Crazy month of July. We talked about that last episode. We're going to continue going down that thread a little bit here. Recap this last week in Pirates Baseball. Preview the one to come. The 2022 schedule is out. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Nick, Marty, how you guys doing this week? Good. Good. Things are things are looking up. Just got back from vacation. School year is coming up, so getting ready for that. But, you know, post-trade deadline um, can kind of take a step back a little bit, um, take a breather a little bit. I know Marty and I both have, you know, t- cut cut down on our writing the last couple days after a busy end of July. But, um, you know, luckily we have a great staff who's continuing to pump out. Uh, good stuff so make sure you keep looking at their stuff and don't worry you know we, we still will be posting our stuff as uh we battle through august and get hopefully to september and find some positives what's up run bunch of radio listeners and pirates fans everywhere I have to tell you about a special deal before we get into this episode if you're ready for an out of this world experience It's the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped. It has just taken off not only in America, but Canada, the United Kingdom, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. That's international. Inside this package, you're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system down. First schedule for liftoff with the new Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer has all the bells and whistles. It has the lights, a 7,000 RPM motor, skin safe technology. It's waterproof. You can use it in the shower if you want to. It has a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This razor is cooler than a lot of things dishwashers, microwaves, TVs. Guys, all you have to do is use the code FANSIDED20 to get 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com, use the code FANSIDED20 for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, to uh, you know, to build off what Nick said, it was a hectic ending of the month of July. Kept Tay and I busy. You know, this time of year it's busy for him and I with school starting. But uh, yeah, we have an awesome staff at Ron Bunner who keeps us going. Um, and a big shout out and a big thank you to all of you listening, all of you who've read and to our staff. July was one of the best months we've ever had at Rum Bunter. Um, not just since Nick and I have been there, but in the history of the website. So Big thank you to all of you who made that possible, and hopefully we can keep that keep that rolling in the coming months. 
Yeah, I mean, it really was a, an unbelievable month, and the content just kept coming. Some big headlines for the Pirates, too, but like you guys said, we got to give a shout-out to our staff. Justin Ventura, Bryce O'Leary, Noah Wright, Jeffrey Cup. the list goes on and on, Vincent Spallone. Can't, um, you know, thank them enough for everything they do for the website, getting us to where we are. New guys coming in here, yeah. getting started also, so make sure you look out for for their stuff. Oh, for sure. And you can find that on Twitter. Also, fansided.com, brumbunter.com, whatever's easiest. Go check that stuff out. Like you guys said, this is the busy time of the year. You got school coming up. College football is coming back around. And a quick note as we get started here, I want to send the condolences out to the Bowden family. Obviously, Bobby Bowden, a big name in in the world of not just college football, but sports in general and such humanitarian. Got to send our condolences there. But uh, you know, guys, really things starting to calm down a little bit here as we get into August. And like you said, Nick, we're we're going to talk about some prospects tonight, something we're really excited about, the guys that were returned at this trade deadline. Talk about some of those guys that were drafted as well, how they're doing so far. It's been a really fun start to the month of August in the minor leagues for the Pirates. But let's start with the big league club. Quick recap here on Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Obviously, uh, you know, the top two teams in the division, things didn't really go the Pirates' way. They were outscored 31-9. to in Cincinnati, they got swept in that series. Polanco, uh, Gregory Polanco made the catch of the week, though, I saw by MLB.com. Brian Reynolds, um, you know, oh, my God, what a week. The diving catches, vying for the gold glove. Um, you know, we get to see this this lineup without Adam Frazier, without Richard Rodriguez in the bullpen as well. What are your guys' thoughts on this past week of Pirates baseball? My, my big thing, you know, it's great to see Reynolds keep chugging along, continue to prove that that 2020 season really was just a fluke. Um and one thing I'm really excited about right now <clears throat> is just watching Hoy Park continue to play. Um, I know whenever the Pirates got him from the Yankees, he was a guy, you know, a lot of us were surprised the Pirates were able to get for Clay Holmes. He was a guy I seemed like, for whatever reason, never really got a fair shake with the Yankees, always hit well in the minors. And that hitting is carried over to the major leagues. He can play all over the field. Um, you know, the Pirates look like they might have a, a good one on their hands in Hoy Park, so watching him has been fun. And even Rodolfo Castro, I know he's kind of slumped a little bit in the last week or so, but he's a young kid. He's going to take his lumps. He's, I believe, the youngest player on the roster. You know, that he's he's shown a lot of promise. So, you know, down the stretch here, just continue to watch those guys. is going to be a lot of fun. Brian Hayes, you know, looks like he's had a really strong finish this series in Cincinnati. I know he talked about – some changes he made in the box where he felt more comfortable with the start of the series. So it looks like he's starting to pull out of the uh, mini slump he was in too. Yeah, Marty, I'm right there with you. Obviously, Holy Park, you know, like we had up on the website, he needs to be playing every day. Um, like you said, just didn't make sense. Yankees who, you know, could have used him. Obviously, we've seen his versatility. Um, the Yankees very much need that versatility which is why we thought they would be in on Frazier. So, um, yeah, like you said, as advertised so far, um, you know, I hope that he can continue to just find, you know, playing time wherever that is on the field. I just, you know, like we've discussed before, we get a little worried about um, Derek Shelton a little over-rotating these guys sometimes. But And the same thing with Castro. I'm right there with you. You know, it, it was good to see him get some base knocks, not just deep fly balls. Um, and you're gonna you're gonna have that. I mean, he's he's not just a power hitter. He's a good hitter. He's hitting over 300 at Double A this year. And there's a reason they called him up. There's a reason they had him on the taxi squad at the beginning of the year. You know, and there's a reason they called him up again. So they like him. They like his potential. 
He's all and once, like you said about Park Castro, from the very beginning of his career back to the GCL and DSL days, like has hit, and he's always had a good feel for the strike zone. Yes, he's gonna have some swing and miss because he's he swings hard. He's trying to hit the ball for power, but uh, you got to think that they really like the promise that he has, um, basically giving him that you know starting infield job since the deadline. Yeah, one one other quick note here with Castro, I would add too that in my opinion just shows how high the Pirates are on him. When he was optioned back to the minor leagues right around the trade or right around the All Star break, excuse me, he never did go back down. He yeah. stayed up the taxi squad. They kept him in Altoona. They kept him close because the Pirates knew once Frazier was traded, they were going to get Castro up here and get him playing every day. So I think that also just goes to show that this front office and this coaching staff are very high on Rodolfo Castro. And if you think back to, like you said, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of like no one was sure where he was. <laughs> People thought yeah. he was in Indy. People thought he was in Altoona. Then it didn't really matter because, like you said, he ended up back here anyhow, um, which was kind of the feeling. You know, like you said, they were kind of just waiting. It was a matter of time until Frazier was moved. So, um, yeah, then, like you said, the other notes really to pay attention to for me it's going to be this bullpen. I want to see Nick Mears continue to get um, time uh, because right now I don't see a whole lot of back end, you know, future back end of the bullpen stuff. I know, you know, obviously we have um, some injuries. Obviously, Blake Cedarlin was viewed right off the bat this year as a potential closing candidate. Um, and then, of course, had Tommy John. So, we, they really need Nick Mears to kind of step up and fill that spot that Cedarland was on track to this year. So I, I definitely want to continue and see how he pitches because he's one of the few guys I think in that bullpen that could be a legitimate long-term piece to it. Yeah, yeah, great on Mears. I mean, outside of him and David Bednar, there probably is right. not anyone in that bullpen. And obviously Bednar goes without saying, but yeah. outside of those two in maybe Dwayne Underwood Jr. That's a pretty big maybe. There's nobody in that bullpen who I think is in the bullpen the next time the Pirates are in the postseason. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, you know, maybe we see some of these depth pieces, pitching prospects, Brandon Malone type guys, move on to the bullpen rather than being a starter. But that stuff is, is you know, contingent on other guys panning out and not panning out. So we'll wait and see there. But going to be fun to watch Nick Mears continue this season, see how Blake Cedarland comes back uh, and, you know, the future of this bullpen as well. But the future of this whole organization and, you know, this year we knew was going to be the biggest year of this rebuild. You're going to get that number one draft pick. You have some pieces to trade at the deadline. And this is really the last year you want to be in full rebuild mode, in my opinion. This is the last year you want to be in last place and, you know, looking from the bottom up. Uh, and, you know, at this deadline, I think they really made some moves that can forward this organization. This whole year they've done that. This draft obviously was the best, uh, you know, best case scenario for the Pirates. But let's talk about this deadline a little bit more. Some of these guys we've already gotten to see. Hoy Park, we've talked about a little bit tonight. Been one of the fun ones. And one thing I really loved about this deadline, you know, we're getting to see some guys already. Two Capito Marcano's in uh, AAA, but expect to see him here soon. Bryce Wilson has already made two starts. And, of course, and of course, Hoy Park uh, up at the big league level as well. How have the rest of these guys been doing? Who's been your favorite one to watch so far? And let's just kind of talk about these uh, return prospects in general here. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to let Marty take, you know, most of this first part. But 
Wilson is one that we definitely should have included in our first part there, you know, as a, a person to watch. And like you said, he's been everything that we could have hoped so far. Um, you know, former top prospect for the Braves who kind of had a weird career there, just using a lot of different ways, sent up and down a lot, just never had a really – a chance to find consistency in the rotation, something that now here in Pittsburgh he he has. Um, I mean, I don't see any reason why, you know, even barring what happens this year, he'll be he should be in the rotation next year. And if he can do anything like he has his first couple starts, um, it looks like we might have a pretty uh, nice pitcher in our rotation for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of Bryce Wilson. I always have been. Um, it seems like the last three or four years, no matter who the trade piece has been, somehow, some way, pirate trade piece has been tied to the Atlanta Braves. So Wilson's a guy I've watched for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, th- those first two starts, man, you can't ask for much more. Because even that start against Cincinnati on Sunday, yes, he gave up those three runs. But the two things that stick out to me is, one, that fourth inning, he had a lot of bad luck. That ground rule double, Reynolds just misses the ball. The double play that Castro should have turned, but he had a high throw. He easily could have got out of that inning only allowing one or two runs, and he didn't allow the snowball. And on top of that, he then responded with shutting down the Braves in both the, or the Reds, excuse me, in both the fifth and the sixth inning. And Marty, that should to see that. Yeah, and and that, that's that shows the difference between Bryce Wilson and Mitch Keller. Yeah, is why the team's going to continue to give Mitch Keller opportunities because you never know when it could click, and the Pirates are in a situation to to do that at this point. But also, you know, just for like you said, he had some bad luck in that inning, and so many times we've seen Mitch Keller and other pitchers on the staff let that snowball right, and for him to come back and just shut it down for, you know, a couple more innings there was big. And that shows the experience he got while he was in Atlanta being with some of, you know, the stars down there for the playoff years. And quite honestly, pitching in the postseason last year into the sixth inning, you know, that probably that start alone probably taught him more than any other start just because, he knew he had to go out there and it didn't matter. He had to, he had to battle and that's what he did in that postseason, And that's what, you know, he did the other night. Yeah. That, that I was going to mention yeah. the exact thing, that postseason start, yeah. you know, it went six strong against the Dodgers had the Braves on the brink of the world series. He pitched them to a three, one series lead. So that experience is going to pay off. And, you know, with, with Wilson also, like you said, Nick up and down with the Braves never really seemed to get into a comfortable role. They kind of bounced them around Got to the majors only 21 years old, which does not happen, especially for pitchers. And, you know, the stuff's there. I know his overall numbers this year are not pretty because he struggled with Atlanta. But two starts with the Pirates, he's only given up the three runs in 11 innings, has not given up a home run. And, you know, even on the season combined, he's he's in the 85th percentile in baseball and chase rate. So he's getting guys to swing and miss at his pitches. The stuff is there for Wilson. And that's considering his first start here where he didn't register a strikeout. Yeah. And, and that was the other big thing was just to see the, that strikeout total get up to seven, Um, you know, definitely answered some questions for me. I was, you know, wondering, okay, does he have that swing and miss stuff? Uh, Definitely, you know, first start. That's why I take it with a grain of salt, new organization, just trying to get out there and get comfortable. I'm sure. So yeah, I'll, 
all things are looking good with Bryce Wilson. Yeah. thought that was a really good trade. Uh, you know, because Richard Rodriguez was going to be what he is for the Pirates the rest of this season and, you know, the rest of his time in Pittsburgh, if they weren't going to trade him, they're at the very end of that deadline. Uh, but a trade that happened a little bit earlier for Hoy Park. Clay Holmes sent to New York two prospects uh, back in return. And Hoy Park was a guy that we knew would be able to get into this lineup right away. And we've loved what we've been able to see so far. I mean, this is a player, you said it at the top of the show, Nick, that's only been able to hit at every level. He has been able to hit very efficiently. And, uh, you know, has done so with the Pirates so far. What's the, what's the long-term plan with Hoy Park, and how much more do we see him this season? Yeah, I think moving forward this season, <clears throat> you know, I would expect and hope we're going to see Hoy Park in a starting lineup almost every day, especially because he can play all over the field. Um, really, you know, with Kevin Newman struggling, I wouldn't even hate if we just see Park get a lot of the – get the lion's share of the shortstop reps moving forward. No, that's yeah. not going to happen, though. No, it's, it's, I know it's not going to happen, but – you know, he can play short, he can play second, he can play third, he can play the outfield. You know, get, get him in the lineup, get him out there every day. Let's see what he can do. And if he continues to hit, then, you know, you might not know the position, but if he continues to hit, you're probably a legitimate shot. You enter next season with Hoy Park as your leadoff man. It might not be the same spot every day, but if he finishes this season anyway, he's gone in his first week with the Pirates and – not just that, but the way he hit a triple-A this year, too. I think that's what's most encouraging to me. I mean, obviously, he's got, what, 20 at-bats as a pirate or whatever it is. But the fact that he had the highest OPS in all of triple-A this season has got to give you a lot of confidence that, you know, this is not just a small sample size thing and that what he's doing is at least somewhat sustainable to the point where he could be a, a solid leadoff guy for you next year. And you see signs of it already, Marty. We see the double power, you know, we see the – the above average athleticism uh, in the field and on the base path. So like, like you said, the biggest thing for him is he just needs to continue to produce, especially offensively. It's not going to matter where he plays. You know, I, I'm not comparing him to Josh Harrison by any means, because I think Hoy Park is a much different player, different approach, but that's going to might be his path. It might be, yeah, like today you play short, today you play right, today you play second, whatever. And eventually, though, if he just continues to hit and hit and hit doubles and do what we have seen and what he did at AAA, they'll find that Mm -hmm. position for him. Um, I don't think it's out of the question that he could be a starter from what I've seen in the early on from him. that's why I don't want to call him a super utility player yet. But I mean, if that's his floor, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're excited about that already. The other piece in that trade uh, is Diego Castillo, who honestly probably has the more upside, you know, Hoy Park has already kind of gotten that label of that utility type player where Castillo is more of a, you know, second base prospect. Um, you know, he's done a really good job since joining uh, the Pirates AA team. He's only hitting 261, but his on-base percentage is 358. He's slugging 435. His ISO is 174. Like, it, you know, the power is there. He's still hitting the ball. He's only striking out with the Pirates AA. Once again, small sample size, 5% of the time. But even with the Yankees – this year was the most he was striking out. It was at 13.7%. So he doesn't strike out a lot. 
and he has some pop. And that's why you got to like that upside. He's had a couple homers already for the curve. And uh, seems like, you know, he just like Park hasn't really missed the step since, you know, coming over in that deal. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's been fun to watch so far. And, you know, if super utility is that floor, like you said, Nick, that's that's a really good trade for Clay Holmes there, especially with Castillo um, involved in it as well. And, you know, bulk, a lot of uh, uh, high. What, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I guess a lot of bulk return in these trades. Um, you know, we've seen since the second Min Sherrington got here. Trade one guy for two guys, three guys, four and guys, whatever the case may be. I want to expand on that trade, too, because I want people to understand Clay Holmes. He's had a very nice start to his Yankee career and good for him, like glad for him. But it's kind of like the Rich Rod thing. Like at the end of the day, Clay Holmes is not part of this team's future. No. And honestly, you trade a reliever for potentially two everyday position players. Uh, if not, you know, two potential very good bench pieces like you, you take that you know you, you take that every day especially when that relievers clay holmes yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean just the amount of organizational depth at this point it is crazy to think uh you know some of the return they've gotten here and you know some other big deals going down as well nick you had an article out this week on some of the catchers in this organization, Abraham Gutierrez, brought in this week. Thought he was going to be a pirate. Then we didn't think he was going to be a pirate. Then another deal happened right at the beginning of that trade deadline uh, to bring Abraham Gutierrez to Pittsburgh. Your thoughts on this catching room in general and what the future of this catching room is going to look like? You want to get us started here, Nick? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gutierrez is another one. Um, just has picked up where he's left off, having a strong season, the Philly um, organization. Um you know, with the Phillies, uh, he in their organization, he played 50 games. Once again, like Castillo, we see him not striking out a lot. Um, 14% this year with Philly, 11% with us so far. So very comfortable there. Like, you really like to see that. But also walking, though, at a 17% clip. So not only is he not striking out, but he's also showing an advanced eye, you know, at the plate. At a lower level, he's 21. So, you know, that's definitely a positive. Um, the ISO is playing. It's 141. So it's not crazy, but it's still there. He seems like he's still kind of growing into that frame. He's hitting a lot of doubles more than home runs at this point. But, yeah, I mean, so far so good. 288 batting average, 420 on base, 429 slugging. Hard to complain what you got there. Carter, Carter Benz is the other one that we got for Tyler Anderson, which, like you said, was kind of unique because, you know, we thought we were getting him and then, like, in a catcher in Gutierrez for Anderson, and then we ended up getting a catcher for Anderson and Benz. Benz is a guy who definitely is one to take note of. You know, he's he's someone who could be on this roster next year. You will see him in spring training probably getting plenty of reps uh, because of that. Um, overall, he's considered a bat first catcher, but he's supposed to be a little better defensively than I guess what he's shown this year. So that's one of those things maybe, you know, can kind of work itself out over time. And, but yeah, I, 296, 367. I mean, uh, on base percentage, 390. He's not slugging crazy great, but 
you know, Benz is upsides a backup catcher, and that's all he'll have to be for this team if everything goes the way we hope. And, um, you know, so far, double A, at least, you know, like you said, we have some depth now. We have guys to actually pay attention to in this system, especially behind a dish. No doubt. I mean, you just look at this room now. Henry Davis, Abraham Gutierrez, Carter Benz, Indy Rodriguez. There's a lot of help on the way. And, you know, if Jacob Stalling sticks around, he's going to be such a great mentor for this group. And Michael McHenry around the team as well is going to be a great mentor. I think the catching room is in really good shape for this program, uh, you know, moving forward. But really every position you look at right now, there, there wasn't a deal that you feel uncomfortable about. Obviously, at first, maybe the Adam Frazier trade was – a little bit, um, not shocking by any means, but and not even disappointing, but just a little underwhelming compared to the hype that had been built for it. But overall, you look at this deadline, you feel really comfortable with the depth that they've added to this organization uh, and, you know, the players that um, that are coming in. And one player that's also pretty close to being Major League ready, had seen some time at the majors and kid that had been in Boston's organization for quite some time, one that we were excited to talk about tonight because he's had a really good start with the Pirates, Pirates organization, Michael Chavis, uh, in that last-second deal there. Um, what are you guys' thoughts and, and you know, how realistic uh, is it that Chavis gets up this season and, and plays consistently? I mean, to be honest, whenever the Pirates acquired Chavis, I thought there was a shot he would go straight to the Major League roster. Um, he's a former top prospect in Boston's farm system, a former first-round pick of the Red Sox, a first-round pick, actually, of Ben Charrington. So I think, you know, that probably tells you a lot about the Pirates, what they see in him. Obviously, he's a guy Charrington has been high on for a very long time. I'm sure he still sees a lot of potential in Chavis. And, you know, he's a guy – it kind of surprised me that Boston moved on from him so quickly. He had a pretty strong rookie season for them in 2019. Um, In 382 plate appearances, he he hit 18 home runs. Slugged four fantasy team that year. He was yeah. useful because he had like second base, third base, outfield. Yeah, he can play all over. You know, he, he can play all over the field. He's going to give you above average power. He's going to get on base at a decent clip. You know, I was really surprised Red Sox moved on from him. Um, he's off to a great start uh, down at AAA Indianapolis for the Pirates. We uh, have we have some stuff up on the site about that today. So go and go check it out about the start he's off to at AAA Indy. But I definitely think Chavis is a guy we see on the major league roster by the end of the season. And, you know, I, again, I think going into next season, you probably have to view Chavis as a guy who the Pirates probably would like to project as being on the opening day roster in some capacity, rather it's utility man, platooning with Colin Moran at first, getting reps at first that they move Moran, whatever it might be. But I, I think that the fact that he's a guy that Ben Charrington wants took with a first round pick is all you need to know about how high Charrington is on him and that Charrington sees a future in him. And honestly, the fact that the pirates are able to trade Austin Davis for anything, let alone a guy who's a former first round pick and had a very strong rookie season just two years ago is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you, Marty. That's what we've been saying about this trade the whole time. Um, To what we understand Chavis was sent to AAA more or less because they kind of wanted to give him a fresh start. They wanted to let him go to AAA, kind of come to the Pirates organization, get down there, put Boston in the past, put what was going on there in the past, and just kind of get comfortable. Um, You know, obviously, we don't know what's going on with him up in Boston. Um, Who knows if there's more to the story. 
But Ben Charrington, like Marty said, knowing uh, having such a strong relationship with Chavis uh, through those years of uh, drafting him and then, you know, seeing him develop, you got to figure that he likes um, you know, the, the ball player he's bringing in here. Yeah. And you don't want to overspeculate like you're saying, Nick, but you got to wonder because it's it's just interesting to, to think about the ceiling comparison between Austin Davis and Michael Chavis and, you know, the fact that they were willing to give up on – not give up on him, but, you know, uh, you trade him for Austin Davis uh, at the deadline there. And Davis in his first appearance with the Red Sox allowed two runs. So uh, already I think this deal is working out for the Pirates. But overall, a, a really good trade deadline, an unbelievable month of July. Nick, uh, another comment on Chavis? Yeah, I mean, I just – you know, I, I do want to say I'm not necessarily even saying I don't even know if I've I haven't seen anything that's well, yeah, exactly. It's just like you know it it was an odd deal that really caught everyone off guard. I think so mm-hmm. for the reasons we talked about. Uh, one other thing I did want to say about Chavis though is like Marty said, it will be interesting to see how they get him into the lineup. Um, at this point. I'm thinking we see him unless there's some injuries between now and then. We probably don't see him until September 1 um, when rosters expand a little bit. But for me, I'm looking at next year and I'm saying Gregory Polanco is off this team and you potentially could have you know him in Hoy Park, and like you said, Colin Moran having some sort of rotation between Chavis and Wright and first base, you know, spelling those two. Um because Chavis has, you know, played time in the outfield. And quite honestly, like, you know, look at our organizational depth chart. It makes a lot of sense uh, yeah. going forward. So, yeah, that's one thing. I definitely could see the outfield reps there for Chavis as well. Um, not that as a whole, the organizational depth in the outfield isn't, is not weak. It's just like, it's it's, it's, exactly in the upper levels you have travis swaggerty and that's it and with swaggerty we don't know what the deal is right now with the shoulder yeah so you know i wouldn't be stunned to see a scenario you know you go into next season maybe shavis is getting some reps in right field and he's kind of that placeholder for like a cal mitchell or somebody like that and if he comes out and hits and performs well great because then you know you you have that good problem on your hands of trying to figure it out but i definitely I think going into next year, you know, you're going to see the Pirates. Uh, I think they will be a little more aggressive in the offseason in terms of adding players than they were this past offseason. But at the same time, you know, a position like right field, for example, where you have a guy like Cal Mitchell who could conceivably be in the majors next year, who I know they're super high on, or, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigbar, whoever. I could see that being a position where you kind of let a guy like Chavis just go out there and, hey, you know, let's see what he does. He's got first-round pedigree. If he hits, great. Love sure. And yeah. so one of those guys are ready anyhow, so not as much, not pressure to exactly. really perform right away every day like you have yeah. in Austin. Exactly. He doesn't have to. He can come out, and you know what? If you have an 0 for 10 or 3 for 25 slump, whatever it is, you don't have to worry about losing your job, and you can go out and have the opportunity to bounce back. So in the same breath for the Pirates, like they're not losing anything because they know, you know, in the long term, they still view maybe Cal Mitchell, like you said, Kane Smith and Jigba. Or whoever else, you know, as a potential Jack Sawinski. Um, exactly. Right. So. so many guys. I mean, you know, there's a lot of depth, but it really I, could be a great Bly, Bly. Bly. Bly, yeah, our, our guy. Yeah. My guy. Our he's guy. Well, uh, next spring, for sure, he'll get yeah. some. He'll get I think you think that he's definitely going to be one of those guys with, with Bly that next year in spring training, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, like final round of cuts type of guy. 
Yeah. Another multi-hit night last night in AAA as we record here on Monday night. Um, you know, just uh, the depth is on the way, but that is one part of this organization that it's not as close to the top at this point. Uh, and, you know, really kind of has affected this team here as of late in this past week. Anthony Alford brought to the big league club. Eric Gonzalez uh, brought off of the injured list and then designated for assignment. Obviously, Eric Gonzalez getting DFA isn't earth-shattering news, but this move was a little bit surprising to see. Uh, Anthony brought back up. He's looked good so far since he's been called back up. Four for eight, couple of doubles. Uh, but I wanted your guys' thoughts on this move and kind of the thought process behind it. Marty, you want to get us started here? Yeah, um, my biggest thing with Anthony Alford, I mean, obviously, we've had him on the show in the past. He's an awesome person, great dude. One of, one of my favorite guests we've ever had on here. So you want to see him succeed. What I want to see the Pirates do right now is if they're going to call him up, if they're going to give him the second opportunity, play him every day. You know, at this point, again, like we said, with that outfield depth chart, Reynolds is going to be in center field every day. Other than that, especially with Gamble currently on the injured list, you know, play him every day. He can play all three outfield spots, get him out there, give him consistent the bats, see what he can do. If he struggles again, then you move on from him in the offseason. But if he shows any anything at all, then, you know, you're stuck looking, hey, this might be our fourth outfielder next year. We might have something here for somebody off the bench. But that's my base thing with Alford is, you know, with him back up here, I'd like to see him play every day. And, you know, for, for Egon off the roster, we, we kind of talked – we talked about this a good bit in the Slack channel the other day. Just from the get-go, that was such a strange trade. And just I, I just – in the end, I think the Pirates are probably going to come out on top in that trade because Tanaj Thomas looks like the best player who was in the deal, even if things don't pan out for him as a starter. But it was just such a weird trade. And, you know, Eric Gonzalez was not going to survive this offseason on the 40-man roster. There's no shot of it. So the sooner they moved on from him, the better. Any thoughts there on uh, on the Alfred move, Eric Gonzalez? And then Philip Evans, too, uh, sent down to AAA in that move. Um, but any thoughts there, Nick? Yeah. Um, the Eric Gonzalez DFA um, was kind of surprising just because you saw him getting reps down there at AAA. Um, but like Marty said, when you bring in Hoy Park and what, you know, we're stressing on this, on this show on our site and – what a lot of pirate fans, level-headed pirate fans are stressing is, you know, if it's Hoy Park versus Eric Gonzalez, I mean, we got to get Parks bat in the lineup because he could be a part of this team's future. Gonzalez, we know what he is at this point. Hopefully, you know, maybe he catches on to another organization that needs some middle infield depth and, you know, we'll see how it goes for him, but pirates aren't losing much in, in him. And, uh, Alfred deserves another chance. I mean, he mashed at triple A. Are there red flags, you know, with his swing and miss? Absolutely. But, you know, you can live with swing and miss if he's going to also hit, you know, a couple doubles, you know, like he did the other day. So, you know, like Marty said, just get him in the lineup every day. Give him an opportunity to just get comfortable and play. No doubt about it. It's uh, and you know, like Marty said, Anthony Alford is is one of our uh, friends of the show as well. So we wish him all the success in the world. But you know, hopefully he is going to get it to play every day since he was brought back up. Um, and you know, we'll just kind of see how that goes. But 
to kind of uh, go back to our overarching conversation, it's not the biggest position of urgency right now. But Anthony Alford is, um, you know, a player on this team that I think could really contribute the rest of the way here. Uh, that's this season. Next season, the Pirates' schedule is is going to be a lot of fun. They're playing the AL East. It's going to be St. Louis to start it out at home. They get it open up at home for the first time in a little bit here. And St. Louis to close it out on the road there uh, in October. It goes into October next season. Just a couple days into it, what are your guys' thoughts on this 2022 schedule, some of your favorite matchups, and what you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Clay Holmes's <laughs> return against his former club. Oh, yeah. So what you're saying is you're looking forward to the takes when the Pirates lose a game in 14 innings that Clay Holmes gets a saving because he's going to run out of the Rangers. Yeah. But um. – no, in all honesty, the AL East is always a fun division to play. You know, when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town, you know it's going to be a good atmosphere. Um, Camden Yards is one of my absolute favorite ballparks in the world. I look for any excuse to go there. So it'll be nice to be able to shoot down to Baltimore and catch a couple games next year. And just with the schedule, you know, starting home against the Cardinals, um, you know, opening day – Against the Cardinals, it's always fun because it's the Cardinals and, man, F the Cardinals. But it's it's always a fun way to kick off the season with that divisional foe as well. So it will definitely be a fun year. And, yeah, that, that AL East, it's always a good time because I think it's through the AL East, you know, a lot of Charrington ties there, obviously, some good storylines with the Red Sox and with Toronto. And with Toronto, honestly, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch some of those young guys that, you know, being National League fans, we don't get to see a ton with Vlad, with Bo Bichette, with Biggio, with Manoa. You know, there's so Barely much. Now. Yeah, there, there's so much young talent on that team. It's just going to be a lot of fun. And it's not going to be fun to have to go against them, especially, you know, because, you know, it's the Pirates. You know they're going to draw – they're going to get uh, Manoa and Barrios in every series against them next year at Toronto. But, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to watch a team with that kind of young talent and just get to see them up close and personal. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Marty. I think out of all the teams I'm most excited is Toronto. Um, just like you said, just they're what we hope that we can get to, right? The, the way they built their team, uh, yeah, they're a bigger market and they've spent money um, in the past. But, you know, at the core of it, it's Vlad Guerrero, it's Bichette, it's Biggio, and it's the prospect depth they had to trade away for a young, controllable starter like Barry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where we hope to be, and they're an exciting team to watch. You know, it's kind of like they're like the, the team you root for a little bit in the AL East at this point. Um, you know, I like you said, Baltimore, great ballpark, but as long as they're worse than the Pirates, you know, <laughs> right? Um, yep. The Yankees – um, you know, in 2005, I went to Yankee Stadium with my dad. So I was 12. Um, and I was actually, I got to see Randy Johnson and Oliver Perez pitch, old Yankee Stadium. And, you know, I was with my pirate shirt on, you know, all pumped. Had family from New York that I was with, a big group of us. And some Yankee fan, like older guy, came up and yelled, yelled in my face that the Yankees sucked. I mean, the Pirates sucked. And, you know, I just like, that's not why, you know, we go to the ballpark and, you know, I know that's how it gets in some of these games. Believe me, I went to Cleveland for a Cleveland Steeler game too. And I dealt with that too, but I wasn't 12 either. So, 
I don't really care for the Yankees outside of all the other reasons that we don't care for the Yankees. <laughs> and then, of course, Boston, you know, like Boston when I was younger, but they're kind of in that same spot now where it's just they're part of the problem uh, overall in baseball. So give me Toronto. Uh, unfortunately, playing the AL East and Marty, you left them out, and it's going to be I am saving them for the end. You know what's going to happen. I Tampa Bay Rays. Put and money on I'm it now. Shane Boz is throwing a no-hitter against the Pirates next year. That is hitting a walk-off. Yeah. My my life savings is on Shane Boss throwing no hitter. I'm putting it on mute. I'm probably going to sign off Twitter. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be very hard. But and then Chris Archer, who's now a Ray again, is going to come into the game out of the bullpen or something. And yeah, something crazy. Everybody that was in that trade will be glass now. Will be the three three day rotation, and yeah. Meadows will just he'll hit a home run each each one. Meadows in that series will go and you know, like Tristan Gray for fifteen with four bombs. Tristan Gray will be recalled. Yeah, Tristan Gray comes up, hits a home run. Boz throws enough. For those who don't know who Tristan Gray is, he is a pretty highly thought of infield prospect that the Pirates traded for Daniel Hudson. Um, so yeah, it's 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 that that part yeah, of the part, no, no 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 they traded Tristan Gray and Daniel Hudson to the Rays for Dickerson. That's it for Corey Dickerson. That's right. So it was kind of worth it in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and so they traded oh, Corey Dickerson for literally nothing. But I, yeah. <laughs> Neil Huntington is is to blame. Neil Huntington <laughs> called up the Philadelphia Phillies and said, "Here's Corey Dickerson. Take him. I don't want him. Give me next. <laughs> Oh my! I feel bad. These last two episodes—it's just the last five minutes have just been us just absolutely going in on Neil Huntington. But uh, you know what? There was some good moves well, there too, and uh, you know some of it is deserved. There, it's—it's going to be uh, a little bit of a reunion next year for the Pirates, but some really fun teams on the schedule. It's been fun seeing the White Sox these last two seasons, but it'll be nice to play some AL teams outside of the Central in 2022. Guys, we talked about prospects tonight. We've talked about this schedule. Anthony Alford. Uh, the the series in Cincinnati that didn't quite go the Pirates' way. Uh, one in St. Louis coming up. We could preview it, but you know I feel like it's going to be much of the same. You guys' final thoughts though, as we close it out here uh, on this Monday night. You know I I talked about a bit earlier with um, Bryce Wilson and how he was used odd uh, down in Atlanta, just like throughout the last couple of years being moved up and down. And yeah, you know, Marty and I were talking about this the other day and. A lot of that is because of the position Atlanta was in. And it's the same thing to a degree with Alfred in Toronto um, and Chavis more so in Boston. You know, this, this is more so definitely about, you know, Chavis and Wilson being new to our organization. But these guys were highly thought of prospects. Um, you know, we've seen in the past, you know, Huntington, you know, not to once again rag on him, but he br- would bring in these former top prospects um, and not work out, but th- these guys are different because they're they've been in a position on teams that are in the thick of things every year. For the Atlanta Braves at the trade deadline, you know, last year or the year before that, this year, right? They're looking for pitching because they want a veteran pitcher to make that postseason run, maybe, right? And that's nothing against Bryce Wilson. That's just how baseball works right? The teams in it are always looking for the veteran starters. They're looking 
to get the guy who's proven to plug into the rotation before they have to give the unknown prospect a chance. And that's what I'm saying with Wilson. And, and that's what I'm saying with Chavis, you know, Boston gave up on Chavis quickly because they're expected to win the world series every year. Right. And whenever there is a free agent like JD Martinez for them to go and acquire instead, you know, that bumps Chavis out, out of the future plans a little bit, but for a team like the pirates, especially right now in the position we are, um, if Ben Charrington really believes in these guys and thinks the metrics are there and him acquiring them suggests that he does, you know, just giving them that everyday opportunity or in Wilson's case, that ball every five days and knowing like, Hey, you're going to be in Pittsburgh next week too, to take the ball again. That sometimes is all these guys need. They just need that opportunity. And the same thing with Alfred, you know, last year breaks his elbow, comes back this year. Like, remember, he, you know, he's coming back. He's pressing, I'm sure, right? Like, he broke his elbow at the last season. He wants to come back. He wants to make an impression, right? He wants to prove that what he was doing last year wasn't a fluke. Um, you know, up in Toronto, blocked by some other prospects. Once again, Toronto, an organization on the rise. Um, was kind of just looking to move on from him because they didn't have an opportunity for him. And those opportunities are here. So let's hope that, you know, unlike Neil Huntington, that these former, you know, sought after prospects actually do continue to develop. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a really good point with those guys, especially Chavis of Boston. Um, I, I realize this is not apples to apples for uh, multiple reasons, but, you know, in some ways, it's not all that different from the Red Sox giving up a Mark Melanson after one bad season yeah. Yeah. and shipping him off to Pittsburgh. And we all know how that – like, Melanson has gone on to put together what, for relief pros, relief pitcher standards, is honestly going to be a borderline Hall of Fame career. But the Red Sox gave up on him after one bad season because in Boston, the expectations are to win the World Series every single season. So that's – when you, when you mentioned that with Shavis, that's just the first place my mind went. Like I said, I know I know it's not apples to apples for a variety of reasons, but we've seen it before where these big market teams have given up on players too quickly and they've gone on to find great success elsewhere. And I think that's more so true of Boston than Wilson with Atlanta. One of the things Wilson also battled with in Atlanta was just, you know, Atlanta – they rebuilt and they just had such a plethora of young arms too. They have Anderson, they had Tuki Toussaint, right? Um, I'm missing someone. Kyle, uh, Kyle no, uh, who else? That Noah kid that punched the cooler this year and broke his hand. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, they, Mike they Broca, have, like, there's just oh, arms at the wall zoo down there. Max it's, Freed. It's yeah, Max. For I mean, just so many young arms competing for spots. There wasn't, like I said, just not a clear path for Wilson to regularly pitch there, and especially when you're competing. So, yeah, just like I said, be patient with these guys. It might not click in August with Wilson. It looks like it is already, but you know, just remember playing every day. These guys are these guys are humans, right? And mm -hmm. they're are competing believe me they want to succeed and so hopefully they can put it together here yeah well, one more quick comment the patient part um you know we talked about toronto right and playing the next year and the excitement all that young talent well 
two of the key guys who built this current Toronto Blue Jays roster, who built the farm system, who allowed them to make the trades for guys like Jose Barrios, were Ben Charrington, Steven Sanders. Like, be patient. They have proven they know what they're doing. The Pirates have arguably the top farm system in baseball right now. It, it, the wins are coming. You know, it's the rest of this year is going to be rough. 2022 is going to, you know, I think the Pirates will take a decent step forward next year, but it's still going to be not what we want, but it, it's coming. Patient, like you said, Nick, patience is the key right now. And to expand a little bit to, you know, just to explain Ben Charrington's position when he was in Toronto, he was, he was the uh, vice president of baseball operations and essentially he was in charge of their minor league system he was more or less like their farm director and steven well steven sanders then of course was the head of their draft and also very much involved in their farm system too but ben Charrington like oversaw their minor league system he oversaw what prospects were coming in which prospects maybe they were willing to let go out so it wasn't just like Oh, he was in the office, you know, and Jack Shapiro is the one making all the moves or um, who was the one before Shapiro? Anthropolis. Anthropolis. Yeah. You know, obviously those guys give them credit too. We know that, but there's a reason they have Ben Charrington there and there's a reason he was the vice president. Um, you know, it's because he knows what he's doing and that's what we stress. Just let's give this guy a chance to prove. And so far he's doing it. The right guys are in place. And, you know, the, I think one of the biggest cliches in the book is trust the process. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, that phrase is just so true. I mean, for the Yankees, that means go sign whoever and go win a World Series. For the Pirates, you really have to trust in this methodical plan, this process that they've already put so much into. And we're finally starting to see some of the return on it. Uh, they're going to be trusting the process as they head into St. Louis uh, and try to turn it around. A tough week for the Pirates at the big league level, but a fun week for the organization as a whole. And as we close it out this season, still some fun storylines to follow. Rodolfo Castro, John Nagowski, uh, and, you know, getting to see guys like Cabrian continue to, to fight his struggles this week. And Brian Reynolds continue to dominate. But until next week, for Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Anity. Like we talked about earlier, guys, go check out the website. There's so much content out right now. Articles from all of our staff writers, veterans, newcomers as well. You can find our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Omni.com. And you can follow us on Twitter as well, at Rumbunter. Like we talked about at the top, guys, use that code. Fansided20 for 20% off and shipping at manscaped.com. That's Fansided20. Until next week, let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.